Welcome to VitFriends Podcast, Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. VitFriends is a national vitiligo support community founded by Valerie Mullineau. For information about VitFriends classes, support groups for youth, teens, and adults, visit us at www.vitfriends.org. For questions or comments, you can email us at support at vitfriends.org. BitFriends podcasts are now sponsored by My Bitter Ligo Team. Welcome to Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. On today's show, I have a very special guest, and that is one of our med students, Camille. So welcome, Camille. Hi, really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, yes. Welcome to the show. And, and you know, Camille, we're going to have a great conversation because a lot of people hear about med students and you know but they really don't Mm -hmm. know what you do so we're going to dig into that a little bit and a little bit about you know why you chose you know becoming a med student and you know what are some of your passions and all that good stuff but before we get there officially introduce yourself tell us where you're from and maybe where you live now and then we will kind of go from there sounds great so Like Mark said before, I'm Camille Robinson. I am originally from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which I think is one of the best places to live ever. (laughs) Um, I was born and raised there. um, And then I went to Howard University for undergrad in DC, which I absolutely loved, um, go HU. And then um, in 2019, I graduated and ventured down to North Carolina. It was my first time being there. Um, and I started medical, sc- uh, medical school at Duke. Um, so now I'm in my third year. Um, so I have like about a year and a half left before I graduate in 2023. So I'm super excited about that. Um, and that is a little bit about me. Awesome, awesome. Great information. And um, I spent a little time in Florida just visiting. Um, mm-hmm. And I did get a chance to visit Fort Lauderdale um, mm-hmm. and a few other places. But let's move from that. Let's talk about um, going to med school. You know, what really inspired you or who inspired you to go into the medical field? Great question. So I will start off by saying that I come from a single parent household. Uh, my mom is a Jamaican immigrant, and it was pretty much just me and her for most of my life. Um, and she was a really strong proponent of education. That was something that was extremely important to her, which by default became extremely important to me. Um, and she just like always pushed me to like have great work ethic, um, to be like an honorable person, to treat people with respect. And like a lot of those things that she instilled into me were things that I was also looking for out of like what I could do with my life. Um, so I will say that I didn't always know I wanted to be a physician, um, but growing up in a predominantly black community and a predominantly like immigrant community um, in Fort Lauderdale, I kind of saw that there was a lack of black physicians, black healthcare providers. Um, I was fortunate enough to have like a black pediatrician, but all of my other healthcare providers or my mother's healthcare providers were um, white. And um, I just felt like an overwhelming sense of like, there's a need that needs to be filled. Um, Black people in the black community, you know, sometimes have like a mistrust 
um, of the medical system, which is completely understandable if we like go back in time from like all of the things that have happened, not just from slavery, but everything that happened after that, you know, like experimentation and, you know, just doing all of these things to the black community, which has resulted in this mistrust. And I just felt like, hey, this is something that I can do to help mitigate that to help the black community like move forward i'm like super pro-black in everything right. <laughs> and i want to make sure that like our community is getting what it is that they need so i said like hey this would be a perfect opportunity for me to be able to do that um so around high school is when i kind of decided like i want to do something in the healthcare field um and then as i progressed through i actually went to a magnet high school called blanche ely um, in Pompano Beach, Florida, that had um, a like pre, pre-med, pre-engineering kind of program, which I matriculated through. And that kind of solidified that I wanted to do med school. Um, and then I also had a really great um, teacher my 11th grade year in high school who encouraged me to consider an HBCU. Um, and she also was like, hey, like going to an HBCU would be great for you. And I also think that you'd along the way get all the things that you need in order to apply to medical school. So that was kind of my background <laughs> for that. That's awesome. And I say go HBCU is very important yes. <laughs> in, in our education field. You know, even even when I think about um, I went to Shaw University and mm-hmm. there's a lot of history with the medical profession there that people don't know, you know, and I think a lot of times, you know, our history gets buried, you know, mm-hmm. unless you look for it to find out more about, you know, each university and what they focus on. And I do think a lot of our universities, a lot of HBCUs focused on education and or the medical field, which is very mm-hmm. important, you know. Right. And so let's talk about um, vitiligo for a little bit and then we'll, mm-hmm. we'll dance around with a couple other questions. Uh, how did you get interested in wanting to know more about vitiligo? Did you know someone with vitiligo growing up? I did not know anybody with vitiligo growing up. I actually didn't um, even know what vitiligo was until I got to Howard. Um, Cause I actually saw a couple of individuals um, at my school, faculty members and like just people in DC um, that had the skin condition. And I was like, well, what is that? Um, so I did some Googling and some research on my own and figured out what vitiligo was. But I really got interested when I got to med school because prior to med school, I had no kind of idea what kind of physician I wanted to be. I was kind of just like, I know I want to be a doctor, so we'll just go with the wind and see what happens. Um, but my first year at Duke, I realized, again, not only is there a need for black physicians but especially black dermatologists like only three percent of dermatologists are black um so that like you know is a wow factor there so as i was like going through my studies my first year and just learning more about just medicine in general and like we had a dermatology kind of lecture that i saw like most of the photos were of white patients um and I'm like, okay, hey, like, why is that? Like, I, as a physician, want to be well-rounded and whatever it is that I'm learning, I want to make sure that if, let's say I do um, emergency medicine and I see a patient who is black or Hispanic and they have a specific skin condition, like, 
I want to be able to know what that looks like, even if I'm not a dermatologist. So I just kept seeing this recurring kind of trend my first year that like there just wasn't enough representation. And I was like, wow, okay, dermatology is for me. And then I started to pinpoint like, hmm, what are things that specifically like disproportionately affect brown and black folks? And vitiligo was definitely high up on that list so that was like the main way of like how I got interested and then obviously I reached out um to the Vit Friends organization and got hooked up with you and Katrina which has been like amazing and just along the way I've just been learning like how vitiligo has such a strong impact um on an individual's life and there's a lot of things that I feel like systemically need to be changed about how you know it's approached with like treatment and just like even insurance not covering things and thinking right. things are like cosmetic there's just like we can go down a rabbit hole and i know there's so many different things that you know need to be addressed and i just want to be a part of that so that is how i got interested in piddle like awesome and, and, and you know you mentioned that you didn't know anybody until you went to howard you know i think about my own journey I didn't know anyone with vitiligo in elementary school, middle school. I knew Terrell in high school. And the funny thing, I always thought Terrell went to my high school. We just had some of the same friends or some some of the same mm-hmm. associations. But I only knew him as the guy with the skin condition. I didn't know what it was called. Mm-hmm. I didn't have vitiligo then. I went through my undergrad. I didn't have vitiligo. So mm-hmm. when I, I met a gentleman... Um, first name Mike I can't tell you his last name or anything like that but just mm-hmm. you know I, he had vitiligo but I still didn't know what it was you know because mm-hmm. I didn't have it I knew his skin looked different um I knew his struggles and I wish I can find him because he really struggled with his vitiligo like he mm-hmm. wore um makeup and he was a big dude he played football and somewhere in North Carolina at some high school mm-hmm. like big dude but his self-esteem was so shot you know, mm-hmm. because of the vitiligo. And then, you know, I didn't learn much more about it until I developed vitiligo myself because, you know, you go to a doctor, you're like, hey, what's this? Right. However, I still feel like I didn't know enough about it. Right. Um, in the 90s, I, I think we were getting more information, but we were quite not there yet. You know, there's right. still a lot more research that had to be done to figure out this condition. Right. We're in a better place now than we were then so you know i think more people know about it more people have an understanding Mm -hmm. but we still have a long ways to go for the awareness and education piece of it right um and i think like organizations like vit friends and gvf and some of the other groups um out there are doing a great job about bringing forth that awareness and education but it has to go to me beyond us you know, the exactly. education awareness has to come from the medical field, from, you know, um, from the education system. You know, we need more books in our schools about our skin and what it is. And and I think we're really pushing to do that. But we need yes. more people to help us. You know, we need a hand with it. Absolutely. And I, and I love the fact that you're so passionate about it, you know, wanting to be a part and helping us. And, and it has been interesting you know, for our listeners, we haven't physically met because of the pandemic. You know, it's kept know. us all at bay. <laughs> but we have still worked together, you know. Absolutely. Our relationship started during the pandemic. Right, right. 
<laughs> but technology has been great because it has allowed allowed us to still connect and still be exactly. able to work together. Um, and we do look forward to a time where we can meet our medical students because we haven't met any of you yet. You I, know. Know. I know. Um, but but the time is coming, so we're not yes, going to push coming. it. Yes, it's coming. So once you started meeting people with vitiligo, uh, what were some of the myths that you heard before you found out the facts? You know, because we all hear different things. Yeah, I think, to be honest, I didn't know that many things about vitiligo or myths to begin with. Right. Um, I did hear that, like, you know, people with vitiligo need a little bit extra attention and more care because right. a lot of them have mental health problems and issues, which I thought was like extremely judgmental and right. general you know, a form of generalization. But I didn't really hear anybody talk about vitiligo, which right. to me is like a huge problem. Um, even like in medical school, right. it's not something that, you know, people really talk about. So I don't really have any myths that I heard of, but I think that that is you know, another issue that needs to be addressed. Absolutely. You know, I'm glad there weren't any myths that I heard. So there wasn't any like preconceived things that I thought. But right, at the same right. time, like, why didn't I hear anything at all? Uh, but you know, it, it, you said something that's interesting that a lot of people assume we have mental health issues. Uh, let's be realistic, just as human beings on this planet, a lot of us are dealing with mental health issues in so many different ways, not associated with vitiligo. It could be mm -hmm. stress or trauma from home or, mm -hmm. you know, personal situations. It could be work. It could be driving home from, from work and traffic, you know, and now we're stressed, you know, and, mm -hmm. and sometimes that stress goes to other avenues where we try to cope and deal and, mm -hmm. you know, so yes on one end some of us do deal with other challenges dealing with mental health but some of us were dealing with mental health issues before vitiligo exactly. now some of us had self self-esteem issues before vitiligo some of mm -hmm. us dealt with insecurities before vitiligo mm -hmm. but then vitiligo came along and said hey i'm gonna enhance that to 20 and right. now it's out off the charts and we're trying mm -hmm. to figure out how to cope with it exactly. um and so that also it, raises a point right. um, to what you're saying. I think so often when we even talk about mental health to begin with, it's always tied to something. Right. You know, like, oh, well, you have vitiligo, so you must, like, whatever. If you had depression, it has to be because of that. It couldn't Absolutely. have been because of your life experiences that you had prior to. Right. Or if you have right. cancer and you are you have anxiety, like, oh, it must be because, you know, you have cancer and you're going through right. all of this. Like, you could have had anxiety when you were five. Right, and then absolutely. now it's like just another form that's being manifested because you know you're diagnosed with cancer, or it just couldn't have it could have nothing to do with cancer. You know what I mean? Right. So I think that they're they're definitely not tied to, and I think that's a, another thing that we need to address as individuals. Um, mental health is a huge thing that we need to ha be more comfortable with addressing, more comfortable with kind of talking about, but also right. being careful not to label people and not to assume that the experiences that people are having are a result of like a skin condition or a medical condition or something that they're having. Um, Cause I think that's just another way of us not normalizing it. Right. And still having like a negative stigma being attached. If that Absolutely. makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, and it's funny, you know, going back to 
the myth. Um, when you talk about vitiligo now, you know, anybody you bring up vitiligo, we always hear two names. Mm-hmm. We hear Michael Jackson yes. and Winnie. Mm-hmm. And I get it. And I was I was having a conversation with uh, my folks about it because uh, they brought up, you know, Winnie Harlow and they brought mm-hmm. up Michael Jackson. I said, you know, here's the difference, the way I look at it. I said, you know, they have a different support system than the average person. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're a celebrity, mm-hmm. you have people that take care of your every needs. You right. know, not to say you're not going to have any challenges because you're you're still a human being. You're going to have personal challenges. You're going to have issues. Mm-hmm. However, if you need medical care, you're going to get it. Right. If you're having some self-esteem issues that particular day, they can get something to help you out. They can maybe cover you up, dress you up, make you up. But some of us don't have that luxury. You know, we right. don't have the luxury of having a huge support system. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm feeling a certain way, 500 friends can show up. You know, some of us, we don't always have that. We might have one good friend that would stand by our side. Um, and I and I you know a lot of times we do compare the lifestyle of a celebrity versus what we consider your average working person. We don't have the same support system. Right. And that's why I feel like organizations like Vit Friends, support groups, like our support community, you know, is very important because we have to bridge that gap of helping Absolutely. each other navigate. Absolutely. You know, um, what are some of your thoughts about that? Support groups, uh, support systems that people may have in place. And, you know, just kind of, let's, let's just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think support groups and support systems are like a critical form of just life in general. Whether you have a condition or not, having support gets you through life. Right. You know, I don't care what anyone says, but like whether you just have that one person that you can pick up the phone and call and vent to and get support from, like that is needed. We can't do life alone. And I think that honestly the fact that bit friends and all of like the vitiligo support group affiliates that were created like to, to see and hear like what they were years ago right and the fact that so many people like it wasn't even a thing and there were so many people being diagnosed with vitiligo that didn't have that didn't Absolutely. have someone where they can like say like hey you're experiencing this too like i experienced this yesterday like is this normal like did you right. have this you know not being able to have that to me is like really disheartening but also at the same time i'm just so happy to see like the evolution of like the fact that it's now here and it's right. so you know internationally known where people can sign up and like just be able to fellowship with people who you know are experiencing the same day-to-day things that they're experiencing which i think is like completely just like speaks like volumes but then on the flip side i feel like it shouldn't be on you all to carry that burden alone to push that you know initiative forward i think that definitely the medical field and dermatologists and you know other providers that work in that realm definitely need to be supporting more and connecting with you all more and because that's needed you need both sides right Right, when people go and get diagnosed with vitiligo they're going to a dermatologist some people might be going to a primary care physician so like you need both sides you you guys cannot like carry this burden alone i think 
especially if we want to make headway, you know, with the government and like insurance, like we need multiple different avenues of people who have like their own expertise to be able to provide information that can continue to push like the mission forward. So I love the fact that it's there and it's helping so many people now versus like back then when a lot of people were diagnosed, they didn't have that. But I think that definitely needs to get more people involved outside of individuals that have vitiligo and even outside of, you know, medical students. Right, we're excited. Absolutely. We want to help you all, but <laughs> right. like, we're just medical students at the end of the day. So we need people who, you know, are movers and shakers and have the ability to make some, you know, higher level decisions past us to absolutely. kind of help make things happen. And, and, you know, it's funny you said that because I, I never thought about that. I said, you know, when I was diagnosed, there were no support groups. I didn't even think about looking for a support group. But then I noticed there was no one else like me except for Terrell. He's the only other person that knew vitiligo. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't ready to have that conversation. I wasn't ready to join a support group. I wasn't ready to be a part of anything, you know, mm-hmm. Um I just felt like I can navigate this thing by myself. I will be okay. And it, it, I didn't do well. <laughs> I'm be honest. Mm-hmm. I didn't do well with it. You know, mm-hmm. it was a struggle. And you mentioned fellowship. Um, that's very important because, you mm-hmm. know, I, I think about things we tell people sometimes on social media. I, I've read where people have said to others, you know, you got to do this by yourself. Or, you know, if you don't find somebody like you, then, you know, don't deal with them. They need to be just like you. Well, we're all different. Right. Even within our community, we are all so different. The way we look, our vitiligo, you know, how we handle it, how we deal with it. Mm-hmm. But the fellowship part is so very important. No matter your social status, no matter your economic status, none of that. You know, we all need fellowship. We all need support. Sometimes we just need to have somebody listen to us. Mm-hmm. And and I joke with my friends sometimes. I say, you know, and I'm going to get a little religious. So I know some people and I, I understand that. But I say <laughs> the greatest example, you know, for those who are religious, the greatest example that we had was Jesus. Because he came, mm-hmm. he didn't need to have anybody hanging with him. He found 12 people to mm-hmm. be a part of his inner circle. Mm-hmm. He shared, they talked, they laughed, they studied, they, they you know, went around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, fellowshipping with people and trying to save people and all this stuff. He, he could have done it by himself, but he said, nah, I need people. Exactly. And I think about it in that term, we need each other because mm-hmm. there are times you're going to need this from this person. Right. This person might be funny. You might need that laughter. This person is smart. You need the intelligence. This person knows how to work, knows how to work finance. This person is a good bodyguard. You know, I mean, all mm-hmm. these things that we take for granted, we need all of that we need people that are so different to make this whole community work you know exactly and and that's how i see the fellowship part you know instead of pushing people away bring Mm -hmm. each other together you know embrace that brother with the vitiligo on his elbow only he's still part of the community you know exactly um and i do talk about that that a lot now when it comes to um being a part of vitiligo in the community because uh, you are part of the community now and you may not have vitiligo <laughs> but yes. being a med student you are part of our community mm-hmm. 
what are some things and we you kind of touched on it uh, a little bit but what are some things about vitiligo that you wish you could change and i know it may for for one everybody's going to say akira we know that we get that part but what are some things about it that you wish you can change if you could just had that restart button ah oh, that is an awesome question i think one thing that i would change and it it probably isn't about vitiligo per se but it's about like how other people view people with vitiligo right, is something right. that I would want to change. Um, I'm a big proponent of positivity and treating others the way that you want to be treated because like you said, that's just how Jesus did it. So right. I'm a Christian and that's how I try to live my life. Right, absolutely. So that's like a big thing that I wish that um, I could change is how other people treat people with vitiligo and like all of the assumptions that are made um all of the things that are said that are hurtful um i that would be one thing i would definitely change um and i guess that goes along the lines of just like how you know insurance companies right. view vitiligo um i think that it's it's not a com- cosmetic you know concern to want to get your skin color back um it's not a cosmetic concern to use a treatment option that may be available right. um and say that you have to pay full out of pocket for it like those are things that i wish i could change because of the fact that i see how it affects people who have vitiligo right. um and it's just like unfortunate that it seems like you all have to like jump through a number of barriers um to deal with something that you were just dealt um so those are some things that i would definitely change you know uh, we just had a meeting and there is a new uh treatment on the market yes and and i have heard about it yes and and it's a treatment and and i've always said you know a treatment is something that you have to use for long-term use it it may Mm -hmm. you may see some results but it's not a cure it's not something that once it's done it's done you got to keep using it because Mm -hmm. if you stop it may come back and it might not work for everyone. Right, absolutely. But what turned me off, mm-hmm. I'm just being honest, what's the price tag? Mm-hmm. When I heard the price tag, I was like, oh my gosh, well, I guess I won't be getting that one, you know? And, exactly. And, I'm like, I can't afford that. That's, no, it, it was an, I'm not gonna put the number on, on the air, but it was an outrageous number. And mm-hmm. that's how it is with the treatment. You know, mm-hmm. it's so ridiculous. But then I think on the flip side, I interviewed Polly from Canada. Mm-hmm. Her treatment is covered. Yep. You know, so there's that give and take, you know, here in the U.S., we struggle to pay for certain things, but then you got a mm-hmm. country like Canada, oh, we got you covered. Exactly. And it's like, man, I, I know there's, there, there's some give and take, you know, here and there, you know, mm-hmm. we may have things that they don't have there, access to certain things, but still, I'm like, we can cover it. Come on, guys, we can cover it. And honestly... To be completely honest with you, and this is just my personal opinion, um, and it may be radical, but I just feel like with the U.S. being like one of the most powerful like entities in the world, right. you have countries that are smaller than Canada that give universal health care. Absolutely. So my thing is like being able to, and there's not, it's not like there's like, you know, a billion people on the earth with vitiligo right 
it's you know for the most part rare so it could definitely be covered just right. like how there's other things that are rare that could be covered i just feel like again you guys always have to like go through a number of barriers and it just doesn't really make much sense and it seems like money and uh greed outweigh like the physical and mental health of people sometimes here in the u.s which is pretty unfortunate absolutely and, and it is one of those things where you know you hear about other countries things are being covered you're like man why can't i get that but that's what i here in the u.s it is challenging you know it is very challenging um mm-hmm. but we, we're gonna stand strong that's why we keep fighting you know we're gonna keep fighting and fighting and fighting to hopefully get things covered hopefully Congress will recognize that this is a condition. People need that support. They need the medication covered. They need the treatments covered, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one of our battles. Now, absolutely. And I'm glad I'm here for the ride. Right, absolutely. I just want to say before you you continue that, like, this is a reason why I want to do dermatology. And I hope that by the time, the many, many more years it's going to take me to get there, (laughs) I'm hoping by the time that I actually become a dermatologist that, you know, things will be drastically different. Right, absolutely. And and we're going to pray that we get more med students like you, like-minded, that really want to help our community, that really wants to push to support, not just vitiligo, but all conditions for pe- that affect people black and brown and others you know for all people because absolutely you know we're all humans on the same planet you know exactly say hypothetically um mm-hmm. you have finished everything and you are working in your practice what is your ultimate goal when i become a dermatologist um i have many many goals but i'll just talk about a few okay. um my first goal really is to give back to my community. Um, Ultimately, I want to end up back either in Central Florida or South Florida, and I want to be able to provide free dermatology care to individuals who can't afford it. Um, That's something that is extremely, um, like something I'm extremely passionate about and I hope to do maybe like, you know, a couple of times a month. Um, And whether that means I need to start my own free, you know, clinic, or join an already established one um, that doesn't have derm care. That's definitely something that is a major priority for me. Um, And then another priority really is to just contribute to research. Um, I didn't really know much about research or why it was really done before I got to medical school. And just being in medical school and seeing like the lack of skin of color research and literature that's out there there's just so many things that we don't know, like how they affect, you know, um, black and brown people compared to their counterparts and like what medications may work better, you know, for certain skin conditions for black and brown folks. So that's something that I want to be able to contribute more to just kind of building up the literature. And there's so many trailblazers in the field that have already like kind of paved the way for me. So hopefully by the time that I get there, um, you know, I have some big shoes to fill. That's definitely another um, component of what I want to do. And then lastly, biggest thing for me um, is mentorship. Um, I 
had some very key mentors in my life, you know, both in medical, you know, the medical space and out of the medical space that really helped shape a lot of the things that I wanted to do, you know, personally and professionally. Um, So I really want to be able to give back to those that also want to walk in my footsteps, um, give them the same amount of guidance and wisdom that I was, you know, was so fortunate to receive because, um, my mom always says, um, to whom goes like much is given, much is expected. So I want to be able to do the same. Awesome. Awesome. And and the last thing I have before I turn it back over to you to give us some words of encouragement. Um, Hopefully you and your other medical students and researchers out there can discover that there is a gene that lies within all of us that only that that it's a bit of like old gene but it only comes mm-hmm. out in some people i don't know i've always thought about that i said maybe it's a gene that's inside of us something in our dna that just yeah. there that we don't notice or even know about and mm-hmm. it just comes out in some people you know i know they said it's uh all the immune disease but i think it's something more just really more than that um yes. I but think we people don't just need to be more interested in doing right. research absolutely um, and i think when people are more interested, um, the resources and the funding and the support will right. come. But if you have Absolutely. the passion and the drive to really push forward and do the research, um, everything else will fall into place. So definitely, I hope me or many of my my colleagues can get more involved with trying yes. to figure out the nitty gritty things of vitiligo because it's necessary and important. You know, by finding something, maybe a gene, there could be something like a specific medication that can be created as a result, so. Absolutely. So we're gonna keep hope alive, as, you know, so I know this sounds cliche, keep hope alive, but we're gonna still <laughs> keep hope alive. Yes, we're gonna keep it alive and um, that and one day somebody will discover a cure and that we don't have to do treatments. We can take whatever or do whatever and it's done. You know, we get our pigmentation back. Uh, Absolutely. So, before I wrap things up or close things out, I want you to leave our listeners with some words of encouragement or something of encouragement or something that you want to say positive to them. Absolutely. Well, I want to say first, I hope everyone who's listening and even those who are going to be listening later or didn't have the time to listen, right. I hope you all are having an amazing you know, week and slash day. Um, but the one thing I'll leave you all with is self-love is the best love. Yes. Um, being able to be in tune with yourself, you know, giving yourself what no one else will give you, um, I think is really important because if your cup is not completely full, you won't be able to give to anyone else. So make sure you're loving yourself, doing the things that make you happy, um, you know, try to be peaceful um stay away from negativity and everything right. else will fall into place absolutely words of encouragement you heard that try to be peaceful <laughs> uh, and i'm saying that right now and my eyes are closed and i'm praying about it but but no but seriously you know make sure you love yourself and i always say that to my listeners um just to wrap things up thank everyone for listening thank you for listening from you know whenever i have a podcast i greatly appreciate it thank you for listening to living life and love at night and my regular podcast and i always say this make sure you love someone but most of all make sure you love yourself you know look in that mirror say i love you hold up that phone because i know you have your phone in your hand take that selfie and say i love you So you have been listening to Living Life and Love 
with your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina, with my special guest, Camille. Thank you all for listening. Take care. Have a blessed day. You have been listening to Living Life in Love with your host, Mark Braxton. This podcast was sponsored by My Bitter Light Old Team.